Welcome into tonight, and we appreciate you listening to the podcast as always. We've got a fun show tonight, four interviews, so we'll keep the roundtable portion of this fairly short. But, Jeff, what a time to be a sports fan. A lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, got high school football. Some of the, 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 the regions are – in the classifications are starting playoffs. Some are finishing up their first uh, their regular season. High school basketball just got tipped off. College basketball is getting tipped off tonight. Uh, just a, a great time. Everything's kind of gelling all at once here in these next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I saw soccer's getting underway, right. cross country. Every, I mean, all the uh, fun stuff, really. We're right in the middle of it. Some big ball games uh, this weekend and a lot to talk about on tonight's episode. We really think that the four uh, interviews we have cover a lot of ground uh, for our listeners, and we certainly hope you think the same. What do we have, Jeff, for our interviews this evening? Yeah, first up, we're going to have Cam Thomas, tailback from Picayune, uh, Maroon Tide. They're on a roll. They got a tough game coming up this week. Uh, they play a Wayne County team. Both of them's undefeated in the district, so this is going to uh, determine the, the district champion and the one and two as far as the seeding in two weeks. But Cam Thomas talks about – we talk about his numbers and just some gaudy numbers too running behind that offensive line for head coach Dodley. Yeah, and just a, a preview – we talk about it, Jeff, in the interview. Number one in our state in rushing in the state of Mississippi. But when you look deeper into it, he's number eight in the nation with rushing yards. So an impressive young man uh, on the field. And then uh, it was cool to get to visit with him. Who do we have batting in that second spot? Yep, batting second, Joe Jex, uh, St. Stanislaus athletic historian and a statistician for the Rocket Charles. Uh, we get a, a, a an opponent perspective of who Popperville is going to play in the first round of the playoffs. Popperville Hornets, a team uh, me, you, and Jason uh, has the privilege of calling for each and every Friday night. But the Rockachals, they he Joe Jets mentions the team and how they've gotten to this uh, this portion of the playoffs, where they you know how they got to this uh, third seed, but. They sling the football, Clay, and you hear him mention it in the in the interview. So, uh, going to be a good game up in uh, uh, Popperville Friday night. Yep, they've got a Favre that wears number four on his back <laughs> back there with a ton of uh, yardage. We talk uh, to Joe about that, and as you said, he gives an opponent's perspective of, of what Popperville faces. Popperville, the two-seed, plays St. Stanislaus, the three-seed, at the Hornets' Nest on Friday night. Uh, if you can't make it there, which we certainly encourage you to do, uh, you can, of course, uh, hear our call on the MixLR app. That app is uh, free to download, and you can just search Talking Ball, y'all, inside of that app and get our call of the ball game and uh then we talk in that three slot and that third uh, hole, so to speak, in the interview lineup to Jake Wimberly. Jake, a guy that hosts a, an afternoon show on the ESPN affiliate out of the Jackson area. He's got his finger on the pulse um, statewide, high school football, and then college football. So it's fun to visit with Jake as always. Yeah, it's always good to, to get his perspective, as you mentioned, because uh, he's the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs on Friday night. Uh, he does the Friday night under the light show after that on Friday nights about high school, all the different people calling in and giving updates. But then with the aspect from the ESPN, uh, the afternoon drive is his show called right there in ESPN and Jackson. He's taught statewide stuff, and we're going to talk to him about statewide stuff. We're going to hit on all three of the colleges here in state, the major colleges, and, and talk about some of their ups and downs uh, throughout the state. Yeah, and it was interesting to hear, of course, we record this out of Picayune, and it was interesting to hear his perspective on Picayune football right. inside of that interview too. Yep, and then batting uh, cleanup, so to speak. The fourth interview is going to be David Crane. He's the play-by-play -play, uh, announcer for the UAB Blazers that's going to come over and face Southern Miss this Saturday in the Rock. I think it's going to be Military Appreciation Day going on up at Southern Miss. So, uh, And UAB and Southern Miss, as bad or as good as either of these teams has been playing over the years, they always seem to be thorns in each other's side. Kind of a rivalry, so to speak, right over across the line. Birmingham, about three and a half hours, four hours from uh, Hattiesburg. Uh, so that rivalry's been built up. And, and David, uh, he gives a good perspective uh, perspective about UAB coming in and some of their uh, – 
you know, some of their ups and downs going through this season as they get ready to face Southern Miss. Yeah, really interesting uh, chat with him. And as you said, uh, uh, opponent's perspective, so to speak, uh, from Joe Jenks with St. Stanislaus. The same here uh, with David Crane and the UAB Blazers. And uh, to kind of get a deeper look into that program and exactly uh, what to expect. So that's tonight's show. That's our list of interviews and uh we certainly appreciate your support of the podcast, so we hope you enjoy these interviews as much as we did recording them. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of health care options. The Highland Center for Women's Health provides total obstetrical and gynecological care for women of any age. Our goal is quality care for you and your family through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Fortunate now to be joined by Cam Thomas, the leading rusher in the state of Mississippi, and of course, uh, the lead tailback for the Picayune Maroon Tide. Thanks for taking time for the podcast tonight, Cam. Yes, sir, yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good, man, and uh, just looking at your numbers, uh, Cam, they're pretty eye-popping, man. Over 2,200 yards, 32 touchdowns. We mentioned uh, being the leading rusher in the state of Mississippi. According to Max Preps, you're number eight in the entire country. That's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be, uh, to be nationally known. It really is, Cam. Talk about um, your role in that offense and how dependent – uh, you are on that offensive line and the fullbacks, and and what it's like to be able to run in space every Friday night. Well, I just try to uh, I try to keep my offensive line up. Really, you know, come in like first drive. You know, you know, we punch them in the mouth and do good stuff. I mean, like my fullback, K. I usually tell him like how how it usually is. You know, how how it's gonna go down. So we keep a good communication. I, I really like my offensive line. I really like to keep them up. You know, that was my blockers. You know, my big guys that be in the trenches with me every day. Cam, for the offense that you're in, you get a lot of touches. You get a lot of opportunities. There's no doubt about that. 170 uh, tries on the year from the backfield. Is that something uh, you're conditioning and uh, something that you kind of look at? Uh, you. I would say wear teams down, but the way this season's gone, y'all haven't really had to uh, depend on that as much. But can you see defenses kind of get uh, worn out as the game goes along? Yeah, yeah. You can tell, like, mostly, like, second in the second quarter, you know, going into, like, third quarter, you know, they wore, they wore down. So you can tell, like, on their faces and how, like, how they move and stuff. So we, like, we keep them in the huddle, you know. You know, offensive line, you know, they be like, they tired of getting up on them. So. We roll with it. Explosive carries. You're averaging 13 yards um, per carry. You've got a big one coming this Friday night. Tell us, Cam, what you know about uh, Wayne County, two undefeated teams in the district vying for that uh, district title this Friday night. Yes, sir. Well, what I'm, from, what I'm hearing and seeing, like, they're, they're pretty big. They're pretty big up front. They got big linebackers. But, uh, they're going to be in a, a 6-2, I think, so. It should be should be a good game, you know. A lot of a lot of a lot of scoring. It should be a high scoring game. I feel like it. So, Cam, when you look at the year that y'all are having, perfect on the season so far. Coach Lee, uh, of course, a storied career there at Picayune, and he announced before the year that it's his final season. How much is that talked about in the locker room, and uh, how much do y'all want to send him out in a special way? Well, really, we just try to take it day by day. You know how it's supposed to go. We don't, we don't look like what's at the end. We just know that we just want to finish it out big. You know, we we just don't want to. We don't want to like end on a on a on a on a good note. We want to end on a, a very good note. Cam, you're in this offense, and this has been an offense since Coach Lee that has been here that has had some outstanding tailbacks, some guys that have put up some big numbers. Are there some guys that you've looked up to? Or some guys in the community uh, that you know that have toted the rock for Picayune, uh, that you're kind of uh, just proud to be in this position in that Picayune offense. 
Uh, I I'll have to say I, I like Kadarius Cross is like my third, my number one, and I have to say Josh and Sean. Josh and Sean. Yep, and Josh Little's just had a uh, kickoff return for Jackson State, and then Sean getting ready to play for a state championship and potentially a national championship. So uh, that's some pretty good uh, role models or some pretty good guys to look to. Cam, we appreciate your time tonight, man, and continued success for the Picayune Maroon Tide. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picayune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picayune. If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. Now joining us is the athletic historian for St. Stanislaus, Rocka Charles, and Joe Jax. We appreciate you joining the podcast and all the information that you've provided for us in the past, and we look forward to digging in here tonight. Looking forward to it, Clay. Thanks a lot for having me. Joe, when you look at it, uh, Rocka Charles, uh, I guess that was two years ago in Popperville, met in the third round of the playoffs, if my memory is correct, and we came down to Stanislaus. Now we meet in the first round, and uh, we wanted to have you on, of course, to get your uh, your take on the St. Stanislaus uh, football team. But first of all, thank you for uh, joining us. I believe you joined us at half at, at that ball game. You've been on before to do a preview before last football season, so it's good to catch up again. Yes, it is. It's it's good to it's good to be invited back and uh, good to talk to y'all again and and really looking forward to to Friday night's game. Let's look back a week, uh, Joe. A shootout and a close ball game against Pass. Kind of describe to our listeners uh, the way that that one played out, and that one really is the reason that you're coming on the road uh, to Popperville. I believe you could have been a two seed with a win over Pass and been able to bend it at home, but a close loss, and now you go on the road coming to Popperville. That's correct, Clay. It was a, it was a close loss. It was a shootout. Uh, it was a very good game. It, obviously, it went past Christian's way, but but it could have easily gone Stanislaus's way with a, a break here or there. But it was it was a it was a very clean game. There were not many penalties at all. It was a very uh, well played game, well coached game, and you know you you hate to come up on the short end of the stick with a uh, with about a. a 35-yard field goal with no no time left on the clock, but that's how it played out, and uh, and now we're in we're in the situation of being a three seed and having to uh, to take a trip north to Perover County and Popperville and and visit a team that uh, that we that we've come uh, come in front of many times over the last decade or so, and, and looking forward to that trip. When you look at this club, Joe, I mean. We have Huddle to look at as far as film goes, and then Max Preps to look at stats. It doesn't take too long on that Max Preps page to uh, see a Favre and a number four and then big yardage and a lot of touchdowns that jump out at you. Uh, Max Favre in the year that he's had in his senior campaign, he's thrown it around a lot, hasn't he? He has. He has thrown it around a lot, and, and to be quite honest, he has, he has really matured uh, during the senior campaign. Uh, he had, he had seen spot duty in the last uh, couple years as a sophomore and junior, uh, and, and started the uh, started the last five games of the year last year for the Rocket Jaws. But this year he came in with the job well in hand, and he has done nothing to uh, to make the coaches take it away from him. He has he has thrown it around long, short to the outside, to the inside. He's thrown it to uh, thrown it around to several receivers. Uh, he's throwing at a 67% clip right now, and and, and looking looking to to top 3,000 yards, uh, hopefully in this next game. And with 37 touchdowns to boot, uh, you know he's not uh, he's not his first cousin Dilling, but uh, but what he does he does he does what a Favre does well, and that's play football. He certainly does. And you mentioned uh, spreading the football out. One of his primary targets and a guy I wanted to ask you about because he jumps off the stat page and off the roster, Dallas Payne, a 6'4", 190 wide receiver with, let's see, over 1,000 receiving yards and 17 
touchdown. So he favors him, and with a six-four frame, I could probably imagine why. Well, with Dallas Payne, uh, Dallas is Dallas is is best described as a freak. Uh, like you said, he's six-four, one hundred and ninety pounds. But uh, what people don't realize is that being six-four, he can he certainly stands over defensive back. But when his leaping ability is factored in, he he can outleap anybody on the field, and he has a seven foot catch radius, and he's so difficult to bring down. I mean, the frame is just so large, and uh, he he's great with yak yards. Yards that's the catch. Uh, I don't have that that figure in front of me, but I would I would I would estimate that probably fifty five percent of his yards happen after the catch, um, and. Of course, that's detrimental to a defense if, if they allow if they allow that percentage of yards after a catch. Well, now that our Popperville listeners have gone and been sick somewhere, <laughs> Joe, we'll, we'll try to continue here. I mean, I was looking at it. Um, me and Jeff and Jason, the radio crew, we always have uh, conversations, of course, throughout the week about the opponent and about uh, Popperville just preparing for the broadcast. And I said, boy, Farr's numbers are – quite impressed. I was like, but this this wide receiver is, you know, he must be uh, something else. So to hear your description there, um, I look forward to seeing him in some ways, but um, uh, the defensive backs and the secondary for Popperville Sound uh, certainly like they will have their hands full. And Joe, I guess that's what Stanislaus does primarily when you look at the numbers. It's certainly a pass-heavy attack. It is a pass-heavy attack, and you know, unfortunately, we did not we did not start the the year out that with that mindset uh, in frame. We uh, we started out with a more balanced offense, but but some injuries have taken its toll on us. Uh, Brandon Bordelon, who's a uh, who's also a, a state champion long jumper and sprinter for us on the track team, uh, he started out as our primary running back and and had a had a great first two games, but uh, but has been injured uh, since then. We lost our backup, Kyle Stagall. Uh, to an injury as well, so we're working on our we're missing in our third and fourth running back right now. So we have kind of had to lean on the passing game uh, quite a bit uh, in, in in the most recent games. And um, for for what it's worth, uh, Max Favre has has delivered, and our our wide receivers have caught the football and have done great things with the football afterwards. Uh, you know, Bradley Darby is a guy that uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but but he's got almost 60 receptions and almost 900 yards of off uh, of receiving yards and nine touchdowns to go with it. And uh, Lee Negrato is coming on here at the end, with 20 catches and a little over 300 yards and seven TDs. So Max has had the opportunity to spread the ball around. Uh, we've been able to catch the ball and do something with it afterwards. Uh, but it was not our primary goal at the beginning of the year. It's just Injuries have dictated that, and of course, uh, as you well know, uh, calling games and watching coaching staff having to uh, deep down, uh, dig down into their depth on the uh, on the roster to find ways to win, and that's that's really what Stanislaus has had to do. Joe, when you uh, when I look back at that game a couple years ago, you've got a good memory, man, and the. the the title you wear there with uh, historic statistician and, and and you do a phenomenal job of preserving some of the athletic history there for the Rocket Charles and I know the St. Stanislaus community appreciates it. I, I know some guys who personally appreciate it from from that family and community there. But when we look back at that ball game a couple years ago, I was talking to Jason earlier in the week. It seems like Stanislaus had a young man ejected earlier in that ball game, maybe from the linebacking core. And I was just trying to play back. Is my memory correct on that? It seemed like in the first half, and that maybe played a part in that ball game. Uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, it was a tight game in the first half, uh, as I'm sure you remember. It was, it was a close game, maybe even tied uh, at some point, uh, getting close to halftime. And we had uh, – we had our middle linebacker, uh, a gentleman by the name of Leo Roos. He was a senior, middle linebacker, been there two years for us. And uh, he was ejected on a, uh, on a scrum play. Um, right. I was not privy to, to the film nor to, nor to being right there in it. But, uh, but it was in the middle of the scrum. He was ejected. And that changed our defensive scope uh, going into the second half. And uh, 
he he was he was calling the signals and and running running the defense for us and making some big stops. Uh, in fact, I think if I'm not mistaken correctly, he he, he had nine tackles at halftime when he was ejected, and uh, he was controlling the defense and helping uh, gauge how we played Papa Bill's offense and how we were playing that uh, that trio of running backs. And uh, when he went out, uh, it, it, it 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 threw the defense for a loop. And I asked that question, I asked this when the Bay uh, that you saw earlier in the year was going to run the wing tee, Coach Collins, uh, with that wing tee offense. How much do you think that helps um, St. Stanislaus coming into this, that they've seen at least that Coach Collins version that's going to be very similar uh, to this wing tee? Well, that's correct. I mean, Coach Collins runs a very similar brand of wing tee, which, uh, which is what Jay uh, learned under, which is who Jay learned under. Uh, and it, it, it certainly it helps a great deal. Uh, and we've seen a wide variety of wing tee this year going outside of our regular area. Pensacola Catholic, who we traveled to uh, early in the season, they ran they ran a version of the wing tee, uh, as did uh, uh, Central Catholic in Morgan City. And uh, so we've seen different versions, but but Eric Collins' version is the closest thing we'll see to it. And they had an excellent running back who's young, uh, Noah Cutter. And he he, uh, he he tore us up on on offense, and he was still still plugging away there at the end of the game, and that was a one touchdown game. We won forty two thirty five in another shootout. Um, but but having having seen Eric Collins' offense once this year already, uh, it won't be as it won't be as big of a surprise. But it'll still we'll still have to play still have to play assignment football and fundamental football to be able to even match up with Popperville. When you look at it, Joe, the linebackers for this um, St. Stanislaus club, uh, the play from them, and how important do you think uh, they will play a part in Friday night's ball game? They're going to have to play uh, play their, their very best football of the year. We've got uh, a young sophomore there, Blake Billich, um, and then our uh, our safety who comes down some to, uh, to play on the linebacker line is uh, Trustin Northington. Both of those guys, we have to have solid games out of them. Alex Fabra is has been placed into uh, starting duty as of late due to some injury, and he has played phenomenally. But he's going to have to really step up his game. He's a sophomore, um, so it they're going to have to play their best football of the year to put Stanislaus in a position to to match up with and against Popville. So when you look at uh, this rivalry, you've, you've seen more of these than, than we have. Uh, we've been covering Popperville football now for four seasons, but there's a game tucked back into history that was like a 70-some-odd to 70-some-odd affair <laughs> that you kind of described at half for us as a halftime guest a couple years ago. I, I think our listeners who weren't listening that night uh, kind of tell us what you remember about that ball game. I remember getting a kick out of hearing you uh, talk about that affair. Uh, kind of give us what you remember from from that crazy one. Well, that was back in 2012, and that was uh, that final score was 82 to 80. Mm. Popperville, Popperville won that game. 82 uh, and to it 80. Was, that was a regulation game. That was not, <laughs> it was not overtime. It, had nothing to do with that. It was it was a regulation game, eighty two to eighty. It's the highest scoring regulation game in Mississippi history, and uh, it, it it was a it was a seesaw game, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And ironically enough, Stanislaus scored one more touchdown than Popperville did in that game, but we couldn't make an extra point. Wow. We've got we've got ten state titles in soccer, but we couldn't have a kicker that year. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. But uh, but we were not able to make an extra point in that game, and and Popperville. Uh, to their credit, uh, was strong in all aspects of the game, and they came out on top. Uh, the total yardage in that game was almost uh, 1,800 yards of offense between Christ. the two teams. Stanislaus had 937, which after that game became the highest total offense in the nation in one game, and Popperville had 845, and that was number three in the nation at that point in time. Both of those numbers have been pushed down the list in the National Federation book, but they're, but both of those total offensive figures are still in the top five. Wow. But uh, that was a, it was a crazy, it was a, it was a sports writer's dream for that game, but a statistician's nightmare. <laughs> I cannot even imagine, man. What a memory though, uh, by on your part there and uh, for sports fans in this rival. Um, 
Anything else, um, Joe, going on uh, down for the Rocket Charles athletically that you'd like to get out uh, to that fan base or our listening uh, base here of, of note? Well, just uh, just a quick note about uh, about the game coming up Friday. This will be the 15th game between the two teams, and right now the uh, the record is 7-7. Seven and seven. Wow. Seven wins for Popperville and seven wins for Stanislaus. So this will be the 15th time the two teams have played. So this is an opportunity for one of the teams to take a lead in the, in the, in the brief series that we've been playing. But down here at Stanislaus, uh, they've had a they've had a great start to the school year, athletically. Uh, this uh, coming up soon, Stanislaus will be competing in the cross country state championship. They won the division for the first time since 2016, and that's that's a result of East Central moving up. <laughs> when East Central moved up to 5A, they they took their talented distance runners with them, and that gave Stanislaus an opportunity to. Uh, to seize a uh, division title in cross country that they haven't had since 2016. Swimming did uh, very well. We had seven uh, swimmers that have uh, that, well, that competed recently in the Mississippi, Mississippi High School Activities Association Championships, seven of them, and they performed very well, finished, I think, in the top 12 as a team, and uh, basketball, soccer is now underway. I mean, we're looking forward to, uh, to getting into the winter sports down here and, 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 and into, into things that uh, hopefully we can be successful with. Very good. Thank you, Joe, for your time, man. We always appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on Friday night. Look forward to seeing you, Clay, and, and hopefully uh, we get that, we get an opportunity to share share a few uh, few words uh, during the game. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Clay. Whether you've hit a home run or a foul ball, for all your real estate law and closing needs, call Cruise Law at 1-769-242-2500. That number again is 1-769-242-2500. Call Bill Cruz at Cruz Law. Hey folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. Joining us tonight is Jake Wimberly. He is the voice of the Brandon Bulldogs and also the sports uh, host for the Afternoon Drive and ESPN Radio in the Jackson area. Jake, thanks for taking time for the podcast this evening. Guys, appreciate it. Uh, it's November, which means hey, happy, happy early Thanksgiving and uh, playoff football is right around the corner. Yes, it is, man, and that's why we wanted to have you on tonight to catch up, and um, we know that it's the last week of regular season for you guys in 6A football. Of course, we cover 4A with Popperville, but kind of to get your perspectives, if you keep a pulse on statewide football as we are entering uh, the playoffs, and then y'all have an awfully big ball game. So let's start closest to home uh, with that ball game that you've got coming up uh, to cover Friday night. Jay, kind of give us the lowdown on that rivalry and just how big that game is on Friday. Well, guys, I mean, it's always a big game. Uh, you could argue, and you know, depending on where you go in the state of Mississippi, you can argue that this rivalry is bigger than that one. But of course, Pearl Brandon plays one of the oldest rivalries in the state, the Rankin County Super Bowl, and it's always really, really big. Now, it really, really amped up about three or four years ago when they restructured the region that they do every two years. And Pearl moved from 5A to 6A, and then they moved them into Region 3, 6A, where Brandon was, you know, living or calling home. So that game got moved from the, you know, first two or three weeks of the season uh, and the non-conference or non-region schedule to the to the end of the region schedule. And, of course, uh, the last several years they've played, uh, you know, either for the region championship or for – and they've actually played in the playoffs last year. So it's been a big deal, and this one is uh, no doubt just as big now, you know, because here's the deal now in Region 3. Pedal's going to be your number one seed. They've done a fantastic job this year. That's a really good football team, probably the best team in South 6A. Oak Grove, number two, they could be playing the best ball in South 6A right now. Had a chance to see them a couple weeks ago. Very impressed with what they've got going on. And then uh, George, uh, unless they get dinged by Meridian, I don't see that happen. So, Pearl Brandon playing uh, a basically a playoff game this mm. Friday night. Winner gets winner gets in, loser goes home. I was told that by uh, head football coach, athletics director Tyler Peterson today as we cut our coach's corner for Friday. And I asked him, I said, hey, look, a lot of back and forth. He said, it's pretty simple. He said, hey, we win, we're in. If we lose, we go to the house. 
Wow. So a rivalry game and those type of implications dumped on yeah. top of it. Talk about that Brandon team. Uh, Jake came in with pretty high expectations, if I'm correct, and now fighting uh, for a playoff berth this final week. You know, they're extremely talented. Uh, they've got uh, arguably the best quarterback in the state, Will Rogers. He is committed to Mississippi State, Mississippi, Alabama, all-star commit. I mean, he'll, he was picked up for that game. He'll play, uh, you know, with Jimmy Holiday out of Madison Central as the two quarterbacks for that team. Uh, you know, you can debate Ty Keys and, and some other underclassmen, but senior quarterbacks, he's probably the best in the state. And they've done a great job throwing and catching the football. They've got four or five guys flat out play, and they've got some good running backs. The problem for Brandon is they have just not been able to close the deal in some of these tight ball games, and, and particularly on the road. Uh, you know, they, they beat Starkville to open the year at home. They were able to play Starkville, beat them in a close ball game. Starkville could be the best team in the mm-hmm. North right now. Uh, in six, they playing the best ball. So they got that win. But they went to Madison Central, you know, lost the ball game 28-14. That game was really closer than that. They crossed the 55 times, got no points out of it. Uh, you know, you go plus 50 or what I call plus 50, if you get zero points that many times, you're probably not going to win the ball game. Um, went to Zachary, Louisiana, played the best team in the state of Louisiana. Uh, that's won two of the last three 5A championships in Louisiana. Hey, let, uh, me, like, let me stop you there, Jake, for you – Go, sure. uh, y'all certainly play in a beautiful facility. But if I remember correctly from some of your social media posts pre pregame, kind of tell our fan, our listeners about what that setup was like over there. Oh, Zachary was fantastic. I, you know, yeah, we're we're blessed to play in a really nice facility. But Zachary's on a totally different level. You know, I don't know where the funding, how that that works over there. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's private donors, it probably is. Uh, but you know, you go down south. Uh, of Wilkinson County and Centerville, you're going to hit Zachary, Louisiana. And it's a beautiful community uh, in northern Louisiana, just about 20 minutes north of Baton Rouge. Uh, Clay, I've never, I've never set foot in a, in a high school football facility like that. And I'm sure in Texas that's pretty common, but we're talking about a press box that had an elevator uh, in it for a high school football, mm. on a high school football camp. Um, and these guys were unbelievable. And the facility was fantastic as well. So, you know, Brandon goes down there and loses a two-point ball game, 1917. They lost a pedal on the road, last-second field goal, and then Oak Grove comes in to Brandon and wins the game 35-28. So, haven't been able to close those games, Clay, and, you know, you know this is better than anybody. I mean, you've got to be able to close some of those games, and that's been the reason Brandon is where they're at today. When you look at that region, uh, Jake, of course, Oak Grove kind of gets back into some of our listeners down on, on the south end and, and pedal, of course. But then it always matches up with that coast region. What you've described, a Brandon team, if they do get in, or a Pearl team, whoever gets in for that four seed, those four seeds from that region are going to make it tough on the coast region, and that's been really the case for a few years now. We had Coach Archie on from Gulfport uh, either last week or the week before, and that's that's – kind of the mindset from the coast can we get in and then win a game against this region that's been a weird setup I believe it was last year where one through four from from that region uh won all of their ball games in the opening round yeah it's a weird dynamic I mean we see 4A teams we see 5A teams from the coast that have gone on a play for state championship win state championships you know 2A teams 3A teams but something about the 6A classification uh I don't want to go all the way back post Katrina but it seems that that far back mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of guys moving out of the area to these bigger schools. But you're right, it's been a tough deal uh, for, for Region 4. Now, you know, Brandon was a three-seed and, and traveled, uh, or a four-seed. A couple years ago, we traveled down to Hancock, got beat by a really nice Hancock team uh, down there. So, you know, that was a, a loss there for Region 3. But you're right, for the most part, it's been Region 4 uh, in a sweep probably. Let's see, I've been doing Brandon football almost a decade. Just about every year, except two or three, it's been almost a clean sweep. So, but, you know, that region is, is, is getting better. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance, obviously, to see any of the football down there just because I'm up here on Friday nights. But from all accounts, people I've talked to, Gulfport, really good football team. Uh, if Brandon gets in, they'll probably travel to D'Iberville. Uh We are familiar with D'Iberville. We played them a couple times in the playoffs over the last few years. Uh, really good football team as well. So, I mean, look, some you know, somebody's going to put it together for Region 4 to get back to the state championship. It's just a question of when. Jake, you keep an eye on, as you've already said, the different classifications around the state. Any big surprise or anything that's kind of jumped out at you 
uh, over this year of regular season play and, of course, y'all's final week there in 5 and 6A? You know, uh, to me, a big story – well, uh, several in, in, you know, the academy ranks, uh, Hartfield Academy up here in Jackson, fantastic story. They haven't been in uh, business but about seven years. And they made the playoffs, got their first playoff win in the history of the program this past weekend. They'll travel to North Mississippi to Pillow Academy. That may be too much for them to handle this week, but uh, it's been a great run for those guys. We'll see what they do. But also, in Clay, I think the name of this school, it used to be Amanda Elsie, maybe. It's in 2A. It's called Northside, and they're in 2A. And, you know, we were on Friday Night Under the Lights last week, and I just happened to run across this stat because, you know, Taylorsville is the talk of the town, mm-hmm. as they should be. Uh, in 2A, and then, you know, Philadelphia is the talk in 2A as well. But Northside has only given up 20 points all year long, wow. and they're sitting there undefeated, <laughs> and they've scored as many points as Taylorsville. Uh, <laughs> so that, to me, is an interesting story that nobody is talking about. Um, because some, And, you know, there's some of these communities that are in the Delta, or they may be stuck in, uh, you know, kind of a no-man's land. They just sometimes get left out, and it's not, you know, it's not – by choice, it just sometimes happens. But that's a story to watch moving forward, I think. And the 2A ranks is Northside and 2A. Wow, 20 points on the year. <laughs> Jay, that's a mouthful, man. Wow. <laughs> when you look at it, Jake, from your perspective, sitting in the center of the state and kind of hearing uh, everybody on the call-in show there on Friday night, the talk and the buzz around Picune football and what Picune's been able to do this year. Oh look, I think I think you can make a case for Picayune being the best team in the state, regardless of classification. And you know, we know that they've had uh, an amazing history, an amazing run, won state championships, played for state championships. And again, I haven't had a chance to see them, but by all accounts, everybody I've talked to, I mean, this team is is without a doubt. And uh, you know, talking to Chris Brooks, a good friend of mine, that uh, was, he owns Mississippi Gridiron, he said, "Look, there's a case for them to be the number one team, regardless of classification." So you know, they're a team that. Um, they're going to make a run. Now, again, a lot like Northside, West Jones isn't getting mm-hmm. a lot of love. Um, but they're sitting there undefeated as well. And, you know, West Jones is going to have a say in this thing. And, you know, you get into that, that South 5A, and boy, it gets, you talk about some heavyweight punches being thrown. Those two are going to throw some punches. Yeah, and that's the matchup from just a year ago in that South State 4 5A. So that would be a doozy of a rematch in a few weeks if it pans out. Uh, that way. Jake, let's move up uh, a level, if you will, from high school to college and just kind of look around the state and tell us what you see. You host a daily uh, sports show there in the Jackson area. Uh, From Ole Miss to state to USM, uh, the not, I don't think, state's not where probably they wanted to be and um, a good win last week. But is Coach Moorhead, I mean, what's been – after two years, kind of where are people with uh, Coach Moorhead and what he's been able to do there at Mississippi State? Starting in Starkville, you know, I think people are really frustrated. Uh, they got a win over Arkansas this past weekend. That kind of calmed the waters going into an off week uh, somewhat. Haven't had a whole lot of interaction with people that kind of calmed down. Going into last week, a lot of people felt like, myself included, they very well could have lost the game to Arkansas. Um, you know, you got to look at a couple aspects for this team. You know, one, Joe Moorhead. Uh, comes to Starkville, and I, I think he made a mistake when he got off the bus or got off the plane last year, and he said, hey, size your, what's your ring size? Size them up. We're here to win a championship. Well, now look, Dan Mullen left a fantastic football team last year. They had the best defense in the country, uh, a lot of talent that went on to the NFL. Could never really get that offense to work out. They were an eight-win football team. A lot of people felt like ten wins um, under a cheat. So, you know, you come into this year, lose a ball game on the road at Tennessee, uh, you lose a ball game against Kansas State. There's some some games left on the table there. Offense still looks somewhat lethargic, but let's remember Joe Moorhead did bring in Tommy Stevens to be his quarterback. Stevens finally healthy, looked the part this past weekend. So you know it's it's a somewhat of a disappointment I think out of Mississippi State fans. They don't didn't expect to win the West this year, but expected to be a little bit better. I had them at seven and five back last year, guys. These, these, this team's probably going to finish six and six. And, look, they're going to probably get to a bowl game if they can beat Ole Miss uh, here for the Egg Bowl. And if they can do that, this team is about where the, I, I figured they would be. This is not a great team. Uh, this is not a bad team. This is, this is a, you know, a, a nice team. Let's just put it that way. You know, and can Joe Moorhead get it done? We'll see. He's going to have to continue to recruit receivers that can play this offense, the more complex, complicated offense he's trying to run, this RPO, true RPO system that he's running. So 
if he can do that, he'll be fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, fans in Starbucks, they've gotten a little spoiled. They, mm. They've been to uh, a lot of bowls, almost a decade full of bowls. So they are in that we want more type of, of, of space now. And you got to be careful when you get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that brings me uh, to the next question. Uh, Coach Luke there and Ole Miss, what do you think, uh, Jake? I mean, does he continue on after this season, or do you think this is it for him? Well, I think there's a couple of variables at play here. One, uh, I think Ole Miss is playing much better. I thought they had a chance to beat Auburn over the weekend on the plane. I think this team is playing tough. Uh, they are physical. I like the way this team plays defense. Offensively is the head-scratcher because you figured with Rich Rodriguez it was going to be a better fit, and so far it hasn't. It's been some some growing pains there on that side of the football. Uh, you know, Memphis was a game that they felt like they probably could have won. Cal was a game they probably could have won. Get those, they're all falling. Ole Miss, you know, unless they get an upset against LSU and then beat Mississippi State on the road, they're going to be at home again this postseason. So, uh, you know, this is a thing where for, for Matt Luke, they're looking for a new athletics director. When do they hire a new athletics director? The IHL, you know, that whole deal is already kind of set in motion with a, a search committee for, you know, an athletics director. So I think he probably gets another year. Um, but, again, you get a new athletics director in there, that person uh, is probably going to want their coach in there for that. And, uh, you know, if, if I, I would watch this. If the athletics director is hired between now and Thanksgiving, I would say Luke very well could be out. If they wait till after the Egg Bowl, he's going to get another year. Yeah, interesting there. And then moving closer geographically and uh... – <laughs> closer to my heart, actually. Let's talk Southern Miss. Um, and we'll start. I'll ask you a bigger question than just football. Uh, the hire of McLean as the athletic director. What are your thoughts on that hire, um, Jake? And what have you uh, kind of seen in, in his short time there? But it seems to be making some pretty good decisions and waves in, in just a short, short time at Southern Miss. Oh, I love the hire. I thought it was a great hire when Southern Miss made it, and he's, you know, so far doing the doing the right thing uh, for that program. And, and you know, it's one thing to be an athletics director at a Power Five school where you're bringing in, you know, uh, plus side forty, fifty million. You know, you're tied to a Power Five school. But when you get to, you know, the the, the G five, and we cover a ton of G five football on my show and sports, um, and I love the G five. I think it's fantastic. The AAC, I think, plays as good a football as anybody. Conference USA football has got to be really, I think, a really good product. But it takes a different kind of guy or girl to run those those ships because the budgets are more constrained. and You don't have the revenue that, that, that say, uh, even a state in Ole Miss has because of the SEC network ties and things of that nature. So I think he's done a great job. As far as Southern Miss, I think they've done about where I figured they would be. I had them as second-best team in that in that division this year at 8-4 behind North Texas. Now, North Texas has had uh, somewhat of a slip this year and they're not nearly as good as a lot of people, myself included, thought that they would be. But, look, Southern Miss plays physical. Uh, they're doing a really good job with that program. They've got the quarterback. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, they are getting, uh, starting to get back to, uh, you know, Southern Miss football, which is hard-nosed defense. They're recruiting the state of Mississippi and the region well. You know, the problem for Southern Miss, where they've got to be a little more dicier in the recruiting uh, than they had to be, you say, 20 years ago, is when they got all these other kids, is now you've got the Memphises in the world and the mm-hmm. – Louisiana Techs and the Troys, uh, Louisiana Monroes, Lafayette, that, that can come in now, and, and they have a good school and good program to offer, too. So I, I think the G5 has really upped the game, and I think Southern Miss has kept pace. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Conference USA, because I do think this whole thing is going to shift and move once the television contracts come up in 2024, 2025. We're going to see a shift to the digital era, uh, a full shift, and how this whole landscape of college football looks. I think it's going to look totally different, and that'll be the challenge for not only Southern Miss, but for uh, you know G5 schools in general, um, where their seat at the table is, if that makes sense. Once again, we're joined by Jake Wimberly, host of the Afternoon Drive on ESPN and Jackson here on the Heron Ford Hotline. And, Jake, when you was talking about the everything transitioning, uh, you know, Conference USA and things with the digital era, do you see – you know, I've asked this for amongst other people too, but do you see Southern Miss getting out of the Conference USA and maybe finding a home in a, in another conference? You know, you, it, it's going to depend on what happens at the top. And, and what I mean at the top is, is the power five. You know, are we going to see, you know, we're fixing to hit a whole new uh, different era. I mean, we're fixed to come into this, uh, you know, athletes are fixing to get paid for their likeness and, and, and image. Does that, you know, a lot of people have always felt that the Power Five may break away from the NCAA 
uh, and create the super conferences. And, you know, the super conferences may not even look um, like we think that they would look geographically just because we're fixing to get into, uh, you know, the Google money and the Apple money and Netflix money and, and things of that nature. So if there's a major shift at the top, then yes, I think it dominoes all the way to the, you know, to the other side of the fence, so to speak. Um, but, you know, and then we may see, and I, I actually like what I'm fixing to say. I think we need a G5 champion and a P5 champion. If we're not going to let expand the college football playoff and we're not going to let uh, the G5 teams participate in the playoff, then they need their own playoff. To me, that's only fair. Um, you know, they, the, the college football committee, and of course when we're recording this, uh, drops their first playoff poll here in about 40 minutes right. or 30 minutes. But, um, you know, they're going to tell you that everybody has a chance. Hmm. Well, guys, we know everybody doesn't have a oh, chance. Sorry. I mean, it's just, Florida couldn't make it in, uh, you know, on the run that they made it. And Boise, they're not going to make Then nobody's making it in. So if we're not going to give these guys a chance, we need to give them their own championship. And I would be fine with that. Jay, we've got one, I got one more question for you, and then we'll let you run, man. We know you've got uh, plenty to take care of on your side. Uh, if you were hiring a football coach, which I guess Florida State's going to be in the process of doing that, we've already named maybe at least one more in our area that may be doing that soon. What are some things that would have to be boxes uh, checked or some things that you would look for, some telltales? On, you look at the Arkansas situation, you would think they're – going to be looking for a coach here shortly. What are some things that you would be looking for if you were an athletics director about to make that choice? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think it's going to be school-specific. Every every coach isn't going to fit every box, if that makes sense. But if I'm going out just generically looking, I'm looking for an innovative offensive mind. That's just me. Um, I think offensive football wins football games now more than defense, the way the rules set up. Uh, it's going to be very hard as a defensive-minded coach to win a title. I think if you look at what George is going through right now, uh, I feel like that their their staff is being hamstrung by the philosophy at the top. Uh, you know, you look at the offensive football and what's going on at LSU. They made that switch. They got Joe Brady. That has been a home run deal. So I'm going offensive first. Then I'm going after a tenacious recruiter, somebody that can get out and really mix it up with the kids and, and understand today's kids as a recruiter. And then thirdly, somebody that is really good with the public. I mean, football coaches can't just be an X and those guys anymore. They've got to be, uh, you know, the face of the program. They got to be able to mingle. They got to be able to get out, do what we call the old rubber chicken circuit. Go to the dinners, go to the parties, raise money, fundraise. So, you know, I'm looking at a guy that can play offense, that can recruit, and that can fundraise. And I think if you got those, you've got yourself a great start. Yep. Thank you, Jake, and thank you, man, for your time. We hope to get you back on uh, maybe the week after the state championships and kind of recap uh, what we saw that weekend and and wrap a ribbon on the high school season. So we appreciate your time as always. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Ramey's Marketplace is a family tradition starting back in the early 1950s. Ramey seeks to give families a high-quality product at a reasonable price. Ramey's promises to provide products that exceed the freshest standards in all perishable items. Their motto is, you've got quality in the bag. Stop by and shop at Ramey's today, located at 100 Highway 11 North in Poplarville. Ramey's is the official marketplace of the Poplarville Hornets. Joining the podcast now is the voice of the UAB Blazers, David Crane. And David, first of all, thank you for taking time for the podcast tonight. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Looking forward to it. David, a big ball game as UAB is going to make their way over to Hattiesburg on Saturday afternoon. And both teams locked up in that second place in the Western Division. So a lot to play for in a pivotal game. And I guess we'll call it a rivalry game as well. What can we expect from the Blazers on Saturday afternoon? Well, it's absolutely a rivalry game. And, and Southern Miss won, I guess, the first nine in the series. UAB won seven of the last eight. So it's been a it's been a streaky series, but a, a good one. A lot of good games in the mix. Last year's game here in Birmingham was was really, really good. Blazers were fortunate to win it in overtime. It, that was a, a special type winning the, the West Division Championship, got into the, the Conference USA Championship game. and um, This was a, a, a big piece of a very memorable season for UAB. But this year, um, it's not – uh, the, the do-or-die game necessarily for UAB or a chance to win a division this Saturday, but it's a chance to stay in the division race. Both of these teams with, with one conference loss, UAB's conference loss came to Western Kentucky, so not a division loss. So UAB still 
you know, controls its own destiny. They've got four straight conference games to finish out the, the regular season, all of them in the division. So uh, everything's right out there in front of UAB, but they've got to take care of business, and it will be a, a big challenge on Saturday. Southern Miss is, is far and away the best offensive team that UAB will have seen this year, and the Golden Eagles defense is, is right behind UAB in a lot of categories in Conference USA. So I, I think it's going to be a, a great matchup, great weather, uh, hopefully a, a big crowd on hand to, to watch these two old, familiar uh, foes square off on Saturday afternoon. Dave, when you look at your perspective, um, the job that Coach Bill Clark has done there at UAB, the thoughts on the, um, on the program that he's built in, in his time? It really is amazing. It's a, it's a great story. I say it a lot uh, doing interviews like this. It, it, it will make a great book, and it would make a great movie if somebody ever wants to take the time mm. and, and do it. But I'm not sure Hollywood would, would ever come up with a script like, quite like this. People wouldn't necessarily believe it would be true or, or possible. But you, you shut down a program. Six months later, you decide to bring it back. The whole team basically left during those six months. So you then say we're going to take two years off and start it up again. So Bill Clark had to put a staff back together. He had to put a roster back together, and that's what he did for two years. He built the, he built the team back from scratch, and when he got things going again in 2017, had almost a full complement of, of scholarship players. So uh, it, it's, it's unusual to say the least. It's never been done before. I, I would hope it's never done again. I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through what, what UAB football went through during those two years, but he has um, always said he wants to do it better than it's ever been done before, and that's exactly what he's done. They won their first bowl game, won a conference championship, uh, school record for wins last year. So it's just amazing to, to see the turnaround in a program that that didn't have a lot of support. There wasn't a lot of interest when it went away. The fans, the local businesses here in Birmingham, all realized can't take it for granted. They stepped up, they raised the money, they brought it back, and it truly is better than it's ever been. The similarities, um, David, when you look at UAB and Southern Miss, of course, in Alabama you have Alabama-Auburn. Over here we have Ole Miss and State. So that fighting for players, fighting uh, for resources, do you think that's some of the reason that this is a a rivalry, not only that they trade players kind of from each state on rosters, but that similarity just kind of breeds a little bit into this rivalry as well, don't you think? Oh, I I absolutely agree, and and these teams have – have been fighting for a long time. Southern Miss has been fighting a lot longer than, than UAB has, but uh, it's a constant struggle. And, and another way that Bill Clark has really endeared himself to a lot of people is why not UAB too? We don't mind if you're an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan or, or a Stanford fan or a Troy fan, whatever. We don't care. But you can be a UAB fan too. And, and we'll take it. Mm-hmm. We'll take it when we can get yeah. you. If it's not every Saturday, we'll take it when we can get you. But it's Birmingham's team, and what's good for Birmingham is good for UAB. What's good for UAB is good for Birmingham. And, and that's sort of the message he's been sending out. And, and yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the coaching staff, the, the, the administration, the president, you name it, the fan base, they can all relate to the struggle of, of trying to compete against established SEC teams that, that may have a, a little more history when it comes to college football than, than you do. David, when you look, let's turn back to football. When you look at UAB in the season uh, that they're having, just looking at the clippings and uh, the stats, um, injuries and, and turnovers, two things that can really plague a season, are some things that the Blazers have had to fight through and have done a pretty good job uh, with that, getting out to a 6-2 and two record. Um, where are they injury-wise? And then uh, you can't ask really turnover-wise, but that certainly has to be an emphasis coming into this week. Yeah, the, the injury bug has bitten and the turnover bug has bitten, unfortunately, this year. They are healthier. Uh, Southern Miss can relate. UAB uh, had an open date before the Tennessee game, and they did get much healthier uh, before taking on Tennessee. So all things considered, they're pretty good uh, health-wise right now entering the home stretch. Southern Miss getting the open date last week, and I'm sure they are healthier. Uh, The the two open dates, I think coaches absolutely love that. I I think if you could sign them up to to have two off weeks in a season, 
every coach in America would be on board for that. But um, the turnover bug in, in the two losses, I guess it's eight turnovers, um, four in each game, and, and it's just so hard to win any game. It doesn't matter who you're playing, but you, you turn it over like that, and that's what UAB did on the road at Western Kentucky and on the road Saturday against Tennessee. And if you're playing anybody that's any good at all, uh, it's going to be very difficult to win those games. And so not surprising to hear Bill Clark talk about ball security as, as one of the absolute must for his team to, to have a chance on Saturday afternoon. Bill Clark, 3-0 and against Southern Miss. David, you talked about the offense for Southern Miss. What are some other concerns, if you look at it from a Blazer uh, perspective, taking on this Southern Miss club? What are some other things that uh, would concern you or jump out of your UAB making this trip over? Well, I, I go back to last year. We, uh, we didn't see Jack Abraham. He was hurt. Tate Watley was the quarterback. And that's an overtime game in Birmingham where UAB played well. Spencer Brown had a big night, and you still had to go to overtime to win that ball game. So I think the Blazers are very aware of what a good squad Southern Miss has got. The schedule that they have played, they are battle-tested coming in. UAB's schedule, to be honest, is backloaded. The toughest stretches or the toughest stretch is coming up right now. These last five ball games, far and away, the most difficult part of the schedule. But UAB was able to, to play a lot of people, maybe get some of these younger guys to experience early in the season. So you hope that pays some dividends for UAB going forward. But I just think Southern Miss is so talented, so explosive on offense, so solid on defense. Jay Hobson knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. So I, I expect a close game. I, it may be a little higher scoring. These are two pretty good offenses when they get going. But also, it's two pretty good defenses we're going to we're going to see on Saturday. So I, I'm not exactly sure what kind of game it will be. Whether it's going to be up and down, whether it's going to be a defensive struggle, but I do expect it to be very, very close. Once again, this is David Crane, the voice of the UAB Blazers, joining us on the Herring Hotline. David, when you look at Conference USA as a whole, you've been in this league uh, for a while now. The quality of football, maybe a, a misnomer to people that aren't as engaged as we are with this product each and every week. Can you kind of just speak to the quality? I know we've kind of talked about uh, the SEC and fighting for resources, but there's some pretty good football played in this league. There really is, and, and I think it starts with the coaches. You've got some really good coaches in Conference USA right now. Um, Louisiana Tech's playing some really good football. UAB's playing well. So the Miss, of course, playing well. I, I think you're going to fill all your bowl slots. This season, you may have somebody, unfortunately, get left out of the, the bowl picture at the end of the year. But I, I think this, this league is better than people think. Part of the problem is the, the, the media exposure. We do not have a great television package for putting our product out there for, for fans across the country to see. I think you're exactly right. The, the folks that follow this, that support these teams, that go out to, to watch Southern Miss play every week or UAB play every week, I understand this is pretty good football, and, and these teams can go and, and give anybody a run. I fully expect Western Kentucky to go to Fayetteville and, and come out of there with a win. I think they can absolutely beat Arkansas this weekend. It wouldn't shock me in the least. So it, it's better than people think, and, and unfortunately not enough folks get to, get to see it on a weekly basis. David, one last question, and this is uh, we cover high school football here in South Mississippi on Friday nights, and so I'm going to ask a broadcaster nerd question here. But kind of describe what your year when we get to this point. It's like you, you talked about it a little bit before we went on the air, but kind of hectic, the voice of the Blazers, football and basketball-wise, if I'm correct on that, and how those schedules kind of collide here. Well, I get asked a lot what – is your favorite sport to call, and I truly do not have a favorite. I love football. I love basketball. I love baseball, and and to, to get to do this for a living is, is a joke that I, that I get paid to do this, but I will say I, I do not really enjoy basketball until football season is over. I don't really enjoy baseball until basketball season is over, and, and this, this week, tips it off and we've got a, a basketball game Thursday night at Troy so I get to drive down to Troy Thursday for a ball game to turn around and 
drive back to Birmingham, then drive to Hattiesburg on Saturday or on Friday, excuse me, for the game Saturday. Then we got another basketball game on Monday, another game on Friday, and then a home football game on Saturday. So these next couple of weeks, you know, months, six weeks or so, once we get through the holidays, uh, you, you sort of get into the, the basketball routine and you can catch your breath a little bit. But it's, it's a little hectic right now, and, and you, you hope you don't call someone for traveling in a, in a football game or, or something stupid like that. But there, but there are no guarantees. Well, you, you mentioned your favorite to call. Uh, just a little bit of research I've been able to do prior to this interview. I picked up that you're maybe a golf guy, too, so you don't truly get to enjoy golf until all of it's over basically in the summertime. Is that true, too, David? Well, and, and that I've always wondered why I get in a bad mood this time of year, and I think that's <laughs> it. I, I don't mind doing football. I don't mind doing basketball. You cut into my golf time, then I, I get grumpy. And, uh, <laughs> It's going to be hard to, to squeeze in a little golf time these next few weeks, but uh, maybe we'll get some decent weather over the holidays. It won't be 20 degrees, and, and I can get out there and swing it a little bit. But it, it's, uh, it, it's again, I am awfully fortunate, very blessed, very lucky to, to be able to do this for a living, to, to get paid to go to go watch games and talk about it all the time. And, and um it's uh, it's hard to beat. I, I tell everybody, I hope I never, ever, ever have to get a real job. <laughs> David, we certainly appreciate your time tonight, man, and enjoy your trip. Uh, not too much, but enjoy your trip over to Hattiesburg <laughs> on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Always look forward to coming down there. Thank you, man.